everybody. Welcome everybody and their mama and them, Kim, Kanye, Northwest, St. West, everybody that ain't invited, like Raven Simone, <laughs> to episode 16 of Golden Brown Girls. I'm living my life like it's golden, 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 golden. I'm so excited this week because I have someone who I adore even before I knew who she was. I was addicted to black and sexy TV. Um, Miss Numa Perrier. Welcome. Hey, everybody. <laughs> thank you. Welcome. Oh, no, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. Um, I don't even know, like, how to contain myself, but I'm just going to, like, stick to my notes and hopefully not embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I like to start every show asking my guests, who are you and what makes you golden? Golden? Um, well, part of what makes me golden is I meditate and I use golden light when I meditate. That makes mm-hmm. me golden. Uh, I believe that I come from light. I believe that human beings, that's part of our makeup is that we're born from the light. And I think that light is golden. So that makes me golden. Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Just being born, being born. I love that. You sound like your Instagram. Like I look at your Instagram. I'm like, she's just such an artist all the way around. Everything just, it's like, it feels so like it's been here before. Like, do you feel like you're reincarnated or something? Well, I used to never believe in reincarnation um, because the religion that I was brought up in didn't yeah. really talk about that. And and when it did, it didn't really talk about it in a way that felt real to me. So for most of my life, I never believed in past lives. I thought that was kind of like a fairy tale. Right. But, in the last couple of years, um, certain experiences and other things that I've read and opened myself up to, now I do believe in past lives. <laughs> I do believe that that our spirits can, that we can take on many different forms and that we choose to have this human form once and we could choose to have a human form again. And uh, it doesn't mean that every spirit does that, but... I think it's very possible now, whereas my whole life growing up, I never thought it was possible. Like, this is it. It's just one time. So that's always been interesting to me that I changed my kind of belief system about that. And mm-hmm. now that now that I've opened up to that, I, I think it's very possible. Like, certain things just make sense to me, why I'm drawn to certain things that are just from the past or people feel like I'm really well-suited to play those types of roles. Yeah. And I do think it's because I very possibly have been in human form before <laughs> um, and had, a, had an experience in the past, you know, or maybe more than one. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree with you because having been raised a Christian and believing one thing and just not having that option of saying, well, you know, God is really this mighty thing, like, it seems like energy would continue on. So I've always felt that way, even growing up believing the things that I believe. So I just, it's just an interesting concept to me because I feel like it's, it's highly possible. Yeah. And isn't that amazing how you can, I mean, you know, when your parents give you 
religion, and you take that on as your own beliefs, and then you start kind of investigating more, and oh yeah, and your beliefs your beliefs can change, and sometimes they stay the same, sometimes they go even deeper into the way you were raised, and sometimes it goes completely opposite. And so for me, some of the things deepened, and other things completely opened up to something new. So that was. That was one of the areas that opened up to something new, and I think that also was I experienced actually having a child and Uh having that process of birthing, and I just, my mind just opened up to many different possibilities of how this this thing happens, you know? I agree. I agree. Life is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, Yep. We are golden because we came from golden light. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, speaking of all things golden, I want to know, like, five things that are, like, really important to you that, like, stand out in your life that's something that you, I, I don't know, kind of call on or, or use every day. So five things that I call on or use every day. Uh, yes, yeah, that's really important and impactful to you that it's, it's something that you do need to use every day. I think... Uh, I think meditation uh, is, is one thing that I that I need every day. Fresh air uh-huh. is something I need every day. Uh, loving loving someone and feeling loved back is it something I need daily. Good food and water is <laughs> something I need daily. And uh, what else? Was that five things? <laughs> I mean, those are kind of you know your the, the things that that. My nutrients, you know, my nutrients for my body, for my spirit, and I think love is definitely one of those things I, that I that I need to feel and express somehow daily. Love, laughter, um, creativity. Yeah, those are all things that I that I like to have in my daily space. And I know that when I meditate, when I talk about meditation, it's not um, when I when I talk about meditation, it's really just taking a moment to kind of be alone and just connect to who I really am spiritually for mm-hmm. a set amount of time. So I listen a lot to like Abraham, Abraham and um, Esther Hicks. I listen to a lot of those type of recordings on YouTube. And okay. Those things are just like really serve as good reminders of, of, of you know, what I want and how to focus on what I want without making myself crazy. So that's kind of my spiritual practice, if that's what you're asking me. And then the the other, you know, the other things are just things that I like to feel every day. Like I I like to laugh and feel love and be creative and uh, have fun and eat good food and have beautiful things around me. Like that's how I like to live my life. Mm, I love that. It's really important because, you know, not too many people understand how it is that you can design. Just like you would design your space or how you want to look, your hair, whatever. You can design your life the way that you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then I know I've always felt like that sounded like some fantastical idea, but after having, like, just tried it <laughs> and having done it, it's, it's an amazing concept that's actually real. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to have these beautiful things around me. And then to see also the way that you've chosen to create a career around something that you love, it's really cool to see how, you know, things 
work for you in that way? Yeah, it's really important to me. And I know when it's off, you know, and um, I can tell. And what's good about that is that I'm able to adjust. Mm-hmm. But, but that takes time and kind of figuring out, well, what does make me happy on a daily basis? And really making that a priority in my life, that being happy needs to be a priority for me. So, you know, once I, once I decided that, a lot of other things became easier to deal with, you know, or just put in order after that. So Right. That's amazing. Well, I personally know you via Black and Sexy TV, which is really, really huge on YouTube and now a part of the BET roster. Congratulations for that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So can you tell everyone listening how, well, let's, why you got started and then how? So why, I think that... Everything that I've done in my life led up to me being part of Black and Sexy TV, though I had no idea that something like this was going to be in my future. Uh, there's certain things that I'm doing that I always knew I would be doing since I was a little girl, and um, those things fit into Black and Sexy TV, but, but actually creating a network for progressive young black people um, is not something I ever thought about when I was a child. You know, it was a childhood right. dream. So I was, um, you know, doing the things that I love, uh, photography, acting. I had just got into filmmaking. And this was uh, 2007. And this was when MySpace was the place to be. <laughs> and I had a MySpace page. <laughs> Yeah, and this um, this MySpace MySpace was so cool, and I always talk about MySpace um, because MySpace is where I started kind of sharing who I was as an artist with the world. It was the first time yeah. there was a platform for me to kind of show people what I was into or experiment with things, and I taught myself how to code so I could um, code my own page. And every week it would be different, yeah. and every week I would show, you know, this is what I this is the photography I did this week, and this is a movie I'm working on and here's a blog post. I mean, it was, it was the beginning of all of that kind of creative and not like putting myself out there, even though I was doing a lot of creative things, I finally had a place to put it where I could share it. People could comment on it and people all over the world could know who I was. So Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. I had just um, done a short film. I had um, I was doing photography, all this stuff, and I get a I get a message so, from Dennis Dorch. I guess you could say he slid into my DMs. <laughs> so um, he slid into my DMs on MySpace, and I guess had been kind of watching my page for a while, and invited me to do photography for his film called A Good Day to Be Black and Sexy. Wow. So I was curious about this and I was curious about him. So we met up a couple of weeks later and um, our relationship just started from there. I mean, we had a really great respect for each other's work. He would come out to my art shows. I would come to his film screening as he was getting the movie kind of perfected so he could submit it to Sundance. Uh-huh. And then I and then I ended up uh, doing the photography for the official movie poster for Black and Sexy. So that that poster that you see, that's my photography. It was Dennis's concept. I executed it, and we've been working together ever since through every incarnation of Black and Sexy 
to today, you know, right. for to what black and sexy is today. So um, really, I just uh, I believed in Dennis as a filmmaker. I believed in the concept of black and sexy, and I had a vision for it that was a shared vision. And we were able to make that vision happen by committing to it. So it's a beautiful long and short of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love I love your expression of what MySpace was because I felt the same. You know, it was like such a cool way of being able to finally share your stuff without having to wait on someone else to acknowledge you. So I really love that part of it. And then for you guys to have met there and carried on in the way to create what you have, it's, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Do you ever look back and be like, what in the world? Oh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> Especially, you know, I look back and I say, well, it's been eight years, you know, um, going on nine, you know, that, uh, that I've been collaborating with this person and that we've, you know, um, just stuck together and saw this thing through is uh, something to marvel at. And we, we often do. We often look back and just go, MySpace. <laughs> you know? That's really cool. Um, I love that. I love that you guys have, have been able to do that from your, like, creative union and then share that, you know, love for each other. That's really dope. Looking forward for Black and Sexy, I mean, obviously, the transition into television is a huge thing, and I know that you work on uh, film as well. So what is, like, your vision for Black and Sexy TV? Our vision is to keep growing and to become a global household name. So that means uh, that Black and Sexy people around the world will say it as easily as they say Netflix, as easily yeah. as they say HBO. You know, we'll be known, we'll be that place that you can come home to you know, as a black person who wants to see images that they can relate to from their point of view, that's really the key to black and sexy is stories from our point of view. Right. And um, that's what's lacking. And then on top of that is just the representation of, of our own images, of course. But it's also stories from our point of view are still um, a very small percentage of the overall stories that get told. So, uh, so for us to become a global household thing means that our stories are being told globally and that people are able to connect to that and get some, get something out of that. And so, yeah, so we are just going to keep going so we can get bigger and bigger and bigger and be, and be more, uh, well known and well utilized. Oh yeah. I mean, that's obviously is what's going to happen for you guys. It's tremendously amount of content. And the amount of, like, unique content that you guys have. Like, there's so many different series on there that are the way that they're shot and the way that the stories are told. Like, The Couple is still one of my, like, all-time favorites. And I think that was actually the one that I started with. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, just stumbling around on YouTube, and I, and I found it. And I was like, oh, this is really creative. And they're so short, and it's just this digestible thing. So I don't know, like, when you set out to do it, was it, like, attempting to just showcase yourself as, as an actress and then, you know, to work with other people? And then what what was your vision there? You know, I am an actress, so I'm always going to want to act. You know, you, when you have that bug, it just uh, doesn't stop biting you. You know, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's a real desire. It's a real thing. And with the couple, early, early days of Black and Sexy TV, we were doing skits, and we hadn't, uh, we didn't have our own platform yet. We didn't, we didn't have a YouTube channel. We just had a brand, and we had a creative team. So 
the, cre- the creative team that we were working with, we were doing a lot of skits. I liked the skits a lot, but I really wanted us to move into doing series because I felt that once we did that, we would be able to be taken more seriously. Right. And we'd have something just more substantial to build upon. And so we would sit around and talk about possible ideas for series. And Janine Daniels had this idea called The Couple. And she pitched it to us. And we liked it immediately. And um, we talked about getting into it. And we talked about it being, you know, possibly the first series that we would film. And uh, after that first meeting, I was thinking in my mind that I really wanted to audition for the girl. Because the way they were talking about her, I was like, oh, this is, I want to audition for this one. And right. I think that, you know, I could possibly do it. At the same time, Dennis was having the same idea, like, oh, this should be Numa. He was thinking that, you know, this, this person should be me. And I told him to run it by Janine. Janine liked the idea. Janine had an idea for who she thought the guy should be. So there were no guarantees, but we set up kind of like a chemistry test between me and Desmond at, at my house like a week later. And uh-huh. so we acted out like a few of the rough ideas that Janine had. And they started coming to life. Desmond and I had a really good chemistry. And so we said, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to go forward with the couple. So started filming uh, the mini-sodes. And then um, at the same time, Dennis and I were in a relationship. So we started putting our own relationship issues into the series. <laughs> um, you know, so like we would have a, a disagreement or a moment where we were annoyed with each other and we would just write it down. And then when we would have um, our writers meetings with Janine, we would be like, hey, these are the crazy things that happened this week. What do you think? Right. So we would all just collaborate on it together. So, uh, you know, the original mini-sodes, we had written um, most of those. And by the time we started doing the longer episodes, all of us were collaborating based on our own experiences. So I would put my own things based on being a girlfriend and Dennis would put his stuff in there, and Janine would put her stuff in there based on prior relationships she had had. Yeah. And that that just was uh, one of the launching pads for people to start coming back every week. Because before yeah. that, when we just had the skips, there was no reason necessarily for people to return. Um, but once you have something that's a series that's going to be like 10 episodes or more, people can start kind of getting used to that and making it a ritual. So, yeah, so, yeah, so we're really proud okay. of that show. And we didn't know if anyone would like it or not. We kind of thought it would be a very um, kind of show that a very small amount of people would like, but those people would really, really like it. So we were surprised when it was like kind of a much bigger audience was really gravitating towards it. But um, we just ran with it and we just kept building upon that. We never thought of Black and Sexy as being about one show. It just happened to be that that first show um, or that early show, I should say, um, did really well for us. And I think um, everyone combined contributed to that. Yeah. That success, you know. And But we knew that we had to do more than one show. So the vision was always, okay, what's next? And what else can we do? And how do we make this something much more robust? Right, right. And that's what I really love. Like, you guys have such different ways of, of doing things. Like, even with that guy, I love that it was more of a point of view 
type, like it looked like a vlog, but it was a series. Um, mm-hmm. I really loved that about that show, and it was just really, really interesting that there was no one doing anything like that before. So I just, I think it's Yeah, so thank you. We were happy because we do feel like we've pioneered a lot of things. But if you go back, you may even see, oh, maybe we weren't the very first people to do this or that. But we've remained consistent and serious about what we do. And I think that that has definitely set us apart over the years. Right. I want to know, like, what, is, what do you feel like is your biggest triumph so far in being a part of this, this Black and Sexy? I think that really pushing us to become a subscription model has been um, a big triumph, something I'm really proud of. And it took our entire team to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But I definitely was not going to drop the ball on it, you know, and um, I really pushed for that to happen as soon as it could possibly happen, including helping to get that relationship going uh, with our tech partners, VHX, and really trying to push them to, because they weren't going to do the subscription model as early as they did. Mm-hmm. But um, but we were so insistent upon wanting to make that move for the company that um, they wanted to keep our business and they wanted to be progressive as well. So we were their very first beta testers on that. Right. And so they helped us and we helped them. I'm really, really proud of that because the minute that we did that, we became a solid entity that can actually get investors, that can actually... Right. Um, do bigger deals that can actually be regarded as a real business, you know, that's, that's, that's here and that's, um, formidable, you know, and so for me, that was a huge thing, but, and we wouldn't have been able to do it if we hadn't had several years of being on YouTube and building up our audience. We wouldn't have been able to do it if we hadn't figured out other ways to monetize, to get our audience used to paying for something. We wouldn't have been able to do it if we hadn't stayed consistent over many, many months and and really um, worked on improving ourselves every time that we put out a new video. So there were many factors that contributed to us making that move. Um, but I'm personally proud of myself for being one of the key team members that really was like, no, this must happen. We must not delay any further and really using all of my persuasive skill sets to get everyone on board with that, you know? Right. Well, what do you, what do you think you've learned about yourself in this entire process thus far? Uh, I've learned that I'm, that I'm not for everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, I have a very, um, specific personality and approach to how I do things and it's not for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. but every, but it works for the position that I'm in. And, um, so I've definitely learned that. I've learned how to kind of take in those criticisms and, and say, well, um, if I weren't doing all of this, I wouldn't even be like on the block to be criticized. So, right. I, so it's actually okay, you know. Um, so, I, so I've learned that. Um, I've learned uh, my strengths and weaknesses for sure. Um, I've learned how to acknowledge those things and ask for help um, and be helpful. Those are those are real things, and yeah. I think I've just learned. Uh, that I'm capable of, of quite a lot. I'm, I'm capable of quite a lot. And that, 
when you acknowledge your own capabilities, you start kind of gravitating to people that are really strong as well and really capable and able to deliver things with you. And it just gets bigger and bigger. And it kind of all starts with believing in yourself, like really having right. a strong, like a strong trust of, no, I'm, I'm capable. I'm, I'm built for this, you know? And, and I, I've learned that by doing it. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to move um, right along. No doubt. Yeah. Special girl, real good girl, biggest thing in my itty bitty world. Uh, such a vibrant thing, vibrant thing, a vibrant thing. And even though we both fly, give each other space and not the evil eye. Acting like grown ups, don't even try to hide cause the spot blown up. So I want to talk to you about the representation of black people in the media since that's something that you have responsibility for in what you do. Um, what do you think when you see images of us on screen, whether it be big or small screen, what do those images mean to you, especially when they when they're stereotypical? Uh, I mean, I you know, I don't I don't care for it and I try to avoid any programming that has that going on. Um yeah, I I I try to participate in watching things that are at least making an effort to do something different mm-hmm. uh, and anything that I if I find it offensive I just don't watch it I don't participate you know and um, there are some things that I do not find offensive that other people do find offensive mm-hmm. uh, there are certain there are certain shows out there that one episode is offensive and the next one is not <laughs> you know right. so so I get it there's you know we uh, you know it, it, it's, it's still in a very complex space and I just I use more of my time to focus on really what we're doing um, because I know we're doing something that is so different and so above so above board as far as you know what the standards are for showing black people in roles, you know, and um, sometimes seeing black people is not always seeing us as a robber or a menacing figure. It's not always that that's offensive, you know. Sometimes it's the fact that we're just, like, not, that we're just not um, given any extra depth is just as offensive to me, you know, someone who's just kind of there for no reason. Like, there's this one series, I'm not going to name it, um, mm-hmm. but they had a black character, mostly white. They had um, two black people in the show, and it was such a throwaway thing that they gave them, I guess, so that they, so that someone told them, oh, you can't have a show with only white people, so put some black people in it. So they did, but the storyline that they gave these two black people was so thin and so, it was so offensive to me. And um, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is what you guys do. Like, this is so bad, you know? And I felt so sorry for the actors that, you know, they were all excited that they got this, this role, but yet the role was nothing. You know, there was like hardly anything there for them. And so... Rather rather than get, like, super mad and, like, write letters to the network about that, I say, well, we have our own network, and here at Black and Sexy TV, you're always going to get a black person's point of view. You know, in that series, the black people didn't have a point of view. They were just kind of stuck in there, you know? 
um, mm. black and sexy, you're going to get a black person's point of view. You're going to get a, a very wide palette of different um, backgrounds, of different um, political views, of right. personality types. Like, I know that we're delivering that at Black and Sexy, and there's still even more that we can do, which we're working on bringing in even more different types of shows so we can cover even more points of view. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that what we're doing is way beyond, like, what most shows are doing. But I will say that there's an effort being made out there. There's yeah. definitely an effort being made, and there's much more going on now than there has ever been. So, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of, I'm doing my best to continue to contribute to the good side of that. Right. Well, what is there to be said about, like, the lack of, um, I think people complain about it a lot, that, you know, even in music, the same thing, that there's just such a lack of depth in what is, considered popular or mainstream and then the things that people have to kind of do on their own, you know, i.e. indie music and then, you know, YouTube is is a lot more in-depth. It's a lot more representative of different races and, and intersectionality. Like, it's everything is, is there when you do it yourself, but it doesn't have the same backing and we, it doesn't get the same attention. So why is that? Why, why is that such a disconnect all the time? I mean, you know, part of it is, is as simple as the machine that's behind it. You know, there's a huge machine behind a lot of the, a lot of this entertainment that you see going on. It's like, it's like asking about, you know, an independent recording artist who has a really great album, but they don't have a record company behind them, which is the machine. You know, right. so you can't, you can't doubt the machine. The machine is important. The machine propels you. So, Black and sexy is a machine, and right. we are we are growing that machine to be more and more powerful, to have more horsepower. You know, that's the best way I could kind of describe it. So, if you don't have a machine behind you, it's like it's like flying a little paper plane, and there's no wind. It's just gonna like <laughs> the thing is just gonna dip and dive. But if you, there's a little bit of wind, you'll see your little paper plane kind of like. I don't know if that's a horrible analogy, but <laughs> things have to have a propelling force behind them. So, right. um, so it's not that people don't care because I think that people, that there are a lot of people who will care and we're finding that out with black and sexy that there's a lot of people, um, that care about the content that we're doing. But if we didn't have the machine, and the machine has been built over years, has a lot of different components to it. If we didn't have the machine, you and I wouldn't be on this call right now, True. you know, because because we would have had nothing to push it forward. So mm-hmm. we have to start creating these machines. And um, not everyone is cut out to do that. Not Not everyone. Some people are more cut out to be just like a peg in that whole thing you know they're not cut out to like build a whole infrastructure it's a tremendous undertaking so uh indie stuff doesn't get seen uh black white asian none of it gets seen until there's a machine behind it so that's that's what it is there are people out there who care about what we do you gotta gotta reach them true and, that's what and a lot of times people are not consistent. Independent creators mm. um, don't have that grit 
to stay consistent and keep going, you know, and the ones who do are the ones who you see breaking out right now and the ones that you will see continue to break out. Those are the ones, uh, the ones that do like, you know, one thing and then go away for a long time, you know, um, they're not, you're not going to cut through. Right. Right. Consistency is king. Um, it's pretty simple, you know, it's just, (laughs) that's really what it comes down to. And when you look at any of these, even look at Vine stars, all of those people, they, they are consistent and they have been doing it for a long time. You know, it's not just they snap their fingers and they got a million followers. It doesn't work that way. You know, these are really talented people who have tapped into what they can do best, you know, um, and tapped into how to, how to really use, uh, these different platforms. And, and for that, they, they should get everything, they should get everything that they want for being able to do that, you know, um, because a lot of people are out here falling off, um, giving up and, uh, not not um, believing in themselves enough to to keep it moving. Right, that's very true. That's what it takes. Um, well, you've got a chance to create and and also play some characters within Black and Sexy TV. What are some of the characters that you're most proud of? Because your characters are very dynamic and they're very real, and it's different from what we get to see on mainstream. So, like. Who are some characters that you're super proud of? Uh, I'm definitely proud of Chick and the couple um, because I've never seen that character ever. I never auditioned for a role like that before, <laughs> you know, and I, it was so great to be able to bring like all the parts of my personality. Like when I was saying earlier that my personality is not for everyone, I was able to bring like all of those things that may be annoying or feel obnoxious to people and put that into the character too, you know, yeah. so it was like a really kind of seamless thing and really let people go, Oh, you know, um, every girlfriend doesn't have to be like this perfect entity you know um a a woman can be in a relationship with a man and have things about her that 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 feel obnoxious you know and she can be black too at the same time you know um she can have she can be charming and obnoxious you know she can be this and be that and i loved being able to bring those contradictions to the table and um that everybody was open to that and receptive to that and that people connected to her. A lot of people um, didn't like her and, you know, <laughs> wanted her to shut up. And a lot of people loved her and, and saw themselves in her and felt um, and felt like she was adorable. So it was just cool to be able to have a character that had contradictions. And, um, and I really uh, want us to do that across the board with all of our characters. So yeah. um, I really, I really also like the character Tamiko in Rumi Love a Friend. Cause again, you, you have, you, you have a woman um, who can be neurotic, who can be, yeah. you know, people call her shrill. You know, she could be shrill and neurotic and um, insecure and still be a leading lady and still be a human being and still fall in love and still have a heart and still have um, good things about her at the same time that Mm -hmm. that you're rooting for her, but still be like a neurotic basket case at the same time. (laughs) Really proud of Tomiko, really proud of Chick. Um, 
I'm really proud of the characters in Sexless. Uh, you know, yeah. each one, each one is going through something different and dealing with their sexuality. And it's been a really, um, dealing with the audience and Sexless has been, has been a unique experience for sure because everybody wants all these answers. Like, why are these, why are all these women sexless? You need to tell us right now. Like, why are they right. all sexless? I'm like, well, why are you sexless? Why is anyone sexless at any point in their life? It's a million right. different reasons why. It's not like there's just one reason. Yes. It's like each character has their own personality. And each character, you know, one character is a virgin, but you don't have to have some big reason for why you're a virgin. You're just a virgin. You haven't connected with someone like that yet. Or right. Maybe you're figuring out your sexuality. Or maybe you really wanted to have sex with this guy, but he has a, he has a, um, sexually transmitted, you know, disease, you know, so right. you're not going to do it with him. Or maybe you're really waiting to be in a serious relationship and all these dudes that you're attracting are not on the, on that page with you. Or maybe, you know, it's like there's all these different reasons and each character has, um, is made up of a different fiber. So I'm really proud of, of all the characters there. And yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm proud of what we're doing. Yeah, I'm really proud, too, because it is something to see a character like Tamiko be, like you said, a leading lady and all these things, but also be absolutely, like, crazy. And, all. and it's more relatable than not, and I think that makes people very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. They either love it or they criticize it really harshly. Um, but, again... I don't mind so much because it means that they're at least watching and they're engaged um, that they would even comment on it at all. Very true. Well, um, we're going to wrap that black representation um, in the media (laughs) a little bit. I definitely am glad to have you on here because, I mean, what better time than this beautiful, deliciously cold Oscar season? Cold in so many more ways than just the weather out here in New York because I know where you are, it might not be as cold. Um, Mm -hmm. But cold is in like, okay, the Oscars are kind of given, well, I don't even want to say kind of, I want to say they've always given us the cold shoulder. Um, us being people of color, um, it's very rare that we see ourselves represented in those rooms, um, you know, and beyond just in the rooms where the Oscars are going on, but like, you know, where the people do the voting and everything is happening behind the scenes. Um, so as a, uh, a writer, an actress, um, a director, a woman of many hats within this, this, this realm, how do you feel about this? this topic of Oscar so white? I have a lot of different uh, feelings about it. Um, You know, the Oscars have been around for a very long time and they have been traditionally racist. Uh, The entire industry of Hollywood has been traditionally racist. And even as we, even as we come into more diversity, some of the, those roles, some of those diverse roles are still 
part of the same story. And we're out here trying to create new stories um, of more diversity within the stories that are being told, not just the faces that are being seen. Um, So even though you may see more black people than you've seen before on your TV screens and in the movies, a lot of times they're still playing kind of sub-characters or it there hasn't been like a full evolution of, of progress there. So um, a lot of what's happening in the TV world is giving me hope and I think giving yeah. a lot of people hope. And it's like, okay, so how do we start making uh, – that transition happen in the film world, you know, and the film world is still operating by a lot of kind of archaic um, principles, you know, there's still, uh, the film world is still clinging to archaic distribution. The film world is still, the film world is like a, uh, like an old industry trying, trying not to progress with the new times. You know, and it's it's coming to a critical moment now where there are way too many of us who have power and talent and resources to keep kind of letting that happen. You right. know, so I under so I understand why people are standing up and being so vocal, but for some people it feels a little self serving. Um and for oh, yeah. and you know, so I have kind of you know, like split feelings about it because on one hand, um, if you're going to be vocal about people are saying let's boycott the Oscars, if we're going to be vocal about boycotting something, we should also be vocal about supporting things and people who are actually making changes and employing executives of color, you know, employing people who can make decisions and figuring out a way to get more films made and better films made with us in it. You know, if those films don't exist, it's like what Viola Davis said, if the roles don't exist, she can't win an Emmy. If a role doesn't exist for her to win an Emmy, if the films don't exist, we can't win an Oscar, you know, and I know that there have been films that have been overlooked, and that's very subjective. Not everybody feels like those films and those performances deserved an Oscar. But then I say on the other side of that, do all of those films that have mostly white cast, are they, are they all deserving of Oscars? There have been some films that I've seen that have had an entirely white cast that could have had a more diverse cast. Um, but did not. And I've seen those films, to me, that weren't that great, go on to win Best Picture, you know, go on to win Best, uh, you know, Actor in a Leading Role, Best Actress in a Leading Role. And I'm like, what? So it's very subjective. So because you're dealing with something that's very subjective, it's really easy for people to find a way out and say, it's not really racist. It's just that these roles are not good enough, you know? And the thing is, sometimes that's very true and sometimes yeah. that's very not true. So it's a very, it's kind of like, you know, if when you're dealing in something that's not a hard fact, it's really easy for people to slip out of the responsibility and the accountability for the racism that does exist, you know? So um, right. I did a tweet out the other day, on our, our Black and Sexy account, I put I put a tweet out. I said, we don't need a boycott 
we need to do our own thing, and we are. And people got really excited. Uh, we reposted it on our Instagram, and I don't know, it has like 800 likes, something like Like a lot of people really gravitated to, to right. that statement um, because there are so many people. There are more incredible filmmakers, actors, actresses that are just, um, not getting the shine, you know, and I think that exactly people who black people who are in power and higher positions need to realize their power and shine that light very brightly over all of the creatives that are coming up right now. I think that that is a really big um, piece to the puzzle. It can't just be about one production company getting through, you know, and right. it needs to be a larger collective. And we, you know, we tried in the digital space to form a collective of people who were, you know, working in the digital space and uh, wanting to support each other's efforts so that if, if one person put out a series, everyone would tweet about it. If another person did it, everyone would tweet about that and we would share resources and try to build this thing. The whole thing kind of fell apart because everyone had different objectives. Not everyone yeah. wanted to really be in the digital space. Not everybody. Some people wanted to be um, supported by advertisers and sponsors. Other people wanted to be wanted to be supported by sponsors. Other people wanted to create. It just was so hard to get all of us on the same page to move forward, mm-hmm. and. Um, so we all just kind of kept doing our own thing, which is great because a lot of us are really doing success, successful things right now. But the sad part about it was we it would have been great to have everyone kind of lifting each other up, you know. And um, these collectives and things aren't easy to form. They're not easy to no. create. They're not easy to create manifestos for. People have different agendas. Um, people have different goals for their careers. Um, people don't want to be slowed down if, if they're going fast. People don't want to be rushed if they want to go slower. You know what I mean? So, um, nevertheless, the answer to, in my opinion, really lies in us supporting the stuff that we're doing, the good stuff that we're doing, and really committing committing ourselves to be great, you know, committing ourselves to excellence and pulling each other's tail, you know, coattails when we're, when we're not. And keep raising that standard and finding distribution models, which is why Black and Sexy is so important, I feel, um, Black and Sexy and other, you know, companies that are, are, that are on the come up that are about distribution need all of our focus, all of our word of mouth, right. all of our support, because there are good films being made. And I believe Oscar-worthy films can start being made at a higher rate. But we got to be able to get those films out, and we can't count on breaking down this old model over here, we have to build a new model. Right. So I'm, I, I get it. I understand um, the outrage. I understand the disappointment. Um, I, I believe that racism is absolutely involved, and I believe it's a really kind of scary form of racism where people really don't think they're racist. They really don't. Yeah. They think that 
these are quote unquote, you know, the best people for the job. And you cannot tell me that every single time the best people for the job look exactly the same. Right. You cannot tell me that. You know, and then you know you know, Spike Lee said that people need to start questioning white people about Oscar's so white. Us talking about it, we're just talking amongst ourselves, making ourselves blue in the face, taking down our own energy. Our energy needs to be spent on creating the next thing, you know? Right. And people need to, the people who need to be held accountable are the 80-plus percent old white men who only vote for themselves, you know? And I also think that they should do something revolutionary at the academy. And I think yeah. that the president... Uh, of the academy should help see this through. It's not enough to invite one, two, three, four, five, you know, or maybe 10 at the most black people, new black people members into the academy. That is not enough. There needs to be an overwhelming, there needs to be an overwhelming new membership of people of color, of people of disability, people of um, different ethnicities. There needs to be an overwhelming floodgate open for them to become members because yeah. it, things will change real quick when that happens. Letting in just a few people at a time who you've decided to anoint, you know, after they've been in the industry for more than 15 years is too slow moving. It's too mm. low if, it, if we really care about changing this, you know. So, you know, inviting just a few people in is not enough, you yeah, know. It's like got to be more, and there's got to be more movies made. There's got to be more movies made that are great, and black people in power need to make sure these films are getting made and distributed, and the Academy needs to take accountability and open the floodgates, and we need to see that membership uh, demographic change to at least reflect society. It doesn't even reflect society right now. It's yeah. below the statistics of how we live. Yeah. It's just, it's really interesting to me. Like you speak about the power, the people of power and, you know, little did I know, I, I had no idea. I mean, the name Cheryl Cohen, very, very black name, but I had no idea that Cheryl Boone Isaacs was a black woman and in charge, you know, at, at the academy president. I just was, I was floored when I saw that. And I just don't understand why there isn't, what's her influence? Why is it so hard? Well, I don't think yet? she's been, pre- I don't think she's been president for very long. I'm not sure how many years she's been president. But yeah, since she's long. been there, she's the one who's responsible for getting, uh, as far as I know, um, Casey Lemon, Ava DuVernay, uh, Reggie Hedlund, um, Gina, uh, Gina Prince Blythewood. Uh, I believe all, that they're all members of the Academy now, and I believe that that has a lot to do with her. So I, oh, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't speak on that in, in totality because I don't know, but I believe that she exercised her influence to open up the gates somewhat. You know, but it needs to be like a, a, it needs to be a revolutionary move. And I don't know how these protocols are made or how people vote on them or whatever it is, 
But right. if it's going to change, it has to change from the inside. You know? yeah. And right now, they're only doing what is a reflection of themselves. That's what they're doing. That is what they will always do, you know, and that is a very deep human thing, you know, even if you're, even if you have escaped, you know, the ideals of racism, even if you've escaped that, you're still as a human being, you're going to gravitate towards your own reflection, you know, and if you add on top of that some racism, you add on... You add on top of that some prejudice. You add on top of that some stereotype. You add on top of that a lack of compassion or sensitivity. You start yeah. adding on a lot of things that you're just, you're just really going to think that these are the only people who are suited for it. You know, I'm telling you, I saw a movie. I'm not going to name the movie. This was like, uh, I think, two or three years ago in the Oscars. This film could have easily had black people in the film. Easily, at least one person, this film could have had a black person. And there were no black people in this film. To me, the film was mediocre. This film went on to be the talk of the town, went on to earn several people awards. And, you know, you know as I keep saying, it, it's, right. it's, very subjective. it's a very subjective thing. But when people say, you know, these are the best people for the job, this is the greatest film this year, I'm like, huh? I'm thinking not in my opinion, you know, so, but people are seeing a reflection of themselves. They're feeling, you know, a nostalgia for their own culture, you know, a nostalgia for their own type of family dynamics. And that's what they're going to vote for. So, you know, it's like, we got to focus on our own stuff and we, the people who are in power call for a boycott they, you know, I made a suggestion. I said, the night of the Oscars, they should be programming something else online and have everyone go watch that thing instead. Same night. Right. Do it live online. Do a live stream online of something that's meaningful for our community. Do that. Give us something else to look to instead of looking at, you know, this institution who continues to not recognize us, like hoping and praying, oh, please don't look at me. We're please good. We're so yeah, talented. Right. Why don't we do something else on Oscar night? Why don't we do something else? You know, like let's do because. something else. Like I'm thinking maybe Black, Black and Sexy, we should do something else on Oscar night. If no one else is going to do it. If no one no, else we'll is going to do it, right. We started our own Black and Sexy Awards. You know, we didn't do that to combat the Oscars or combat any other award show. We did that because we know that our our team, our team behind the scenes and in front of the camera are deserving, valuable, mm-hmm. uh, excellent, and that we should be honored. And we honored ourselves in the highest way that we could all. We, we had an amazing ceremony, an amazing, beautiful black tie ceremony and everyone was looking amazing and feeling as great as, as we know we are. And that's why we did it. We didn't do it to combat some other thing, you know, and because that just gets you in a space of, like, you're still thinking about those other people, you know? So right. I really, I, I have, like, a twofold feeling about it. I feel like we need to do our own thing. 
I feel like we need to we need to come together on that in a stronger way. And on the side of the academy, the only way that's going to change is if they open those floodgates and we get like at least you know twenty um, percent you know uh, people of color in their voting at least. And I'm being like, right. why can't it be? Why can't it be half? You know, but give us twenty percent. Isn't it something like really dismal, like two or five? Or, or, yeah, or something. Yeah, it's really low. It's really, really low. And I, you know, one year I even overheard it was um, the year that Halle Berry won uh, for Monsters Ball. I was at an Oscar party, like a pre-Oscar party, and I overheard an Academy voter talking to his friend who may have also been an Academy voter. And these were like two older white guys. And he was just going, ugh, Halle Berry. I'm not voting for her. I'm voting for Judy Dench. I mean, like he was like going on a rant about, and Judy Dench is, you know, one of our, one of our greatest actors out there you know this is a this is a classically trained actor who deserved the award too you know and people are definitely had a debate going about you know whether Halle Perry should have won that year and what they think about her as an actress is always up for debate I, I understand that but the disgust in this man's voice and the and the uh just rigidness to I'm voting for Judy Dench, and I'm voting, you know, it was just so, there was just, like, no room for right. any other discussion. Like, and how dare you, know? you mention anyone else? Yeah, I mean, and that year, Halle Berry did win, you know, and exactly. we got to, yeah, these things are really political. It's about what type of campaign you run. It's about who your friends are. It's about how people talk about you behind closed doors. It's about what kind of impact that movie made. Did it make? Did that movie make uh, white people feel good, or did it make white people feel bad? <laughs> you know, it's right. really subject to a lot of those things. You know, and um, we got to do our own thing. Like we got to do our own thing, and we got to make our. We got. We got to stop looking at our own awards as being something less than, or our right. own. Guys, I feel like I I deal with this so much all the time, and I have to push it away because it comes from our own people, you know, saying that, oh, that little thing over there, that's, no, we're working with these people over here, and this is what it really yeah. is. You know, and I understand yeah. why people do that because sometimes that real shit over there is more money, is um, more press, more prestige. I get it. I understand. But it's a pervasive attitude that, like, what everything we do is substandard. And part of that right. is because we need to have higher standards. And part exactly. of that is just a sick, twisted mentality that we have that what white people are doing is always better. You know? So it's, a, it's yeah. really, I really see both sides of it. Both sides are very real. And that's why this whole debate is a very slippery debate to get into. Yes, You know? Is. And, it, and it, it, it will remain so. It will remain so. And that's why it kind of ends up being pointless in a way if we're not actually doing something to create something new. To create something then, new, exactly. Yeah, otherwise it's just something to talk about. I hear people talking about this on the radio this morning, you know, and, it, and you know, maybe it'll take us somewhere, but people need something else to look to. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that's, that's funny. funny that, 
Yeah, we, so Jada, Spike, Black and Sexy TV, everyone else, we should all do something on the night of the Oscars and have, and see, let millions of people watch that online instead of watching the Oscars. And Sorry, Chris you know, but just boycotting and not doing anything else. To me, that is a boycott. Is, is like, uh, people are still going to tweet about it, so the Oscars are still going to get all that attention. Of course. I don't know. It's, com- it's complicated, you know what I mean? It's complicated because oh, yeah. I have different opinions about movies and other people that are some, you know, there's some people out there that are complaining that I feel like shouldn't be complaining because I don't think they deserve it. You know, and that's my truth. You know, that's that's right. my opinion on on the film that you know they made or the performance that they gave. That's my opinion, and I'm not. I'm like, well, you're kind of outraged, but you know, you, your thing was not really all of that to be outraged about. But then, right. that's really great films that I cannot believe did not get recognized. So we just got to have more voters that that look like us. And let us have our different opinions and let us vote, too. You know, we're not in yeah. their voting. We're not in their voting. There's so few of us. We're not in there. We're not in there. Yeah. So if it matters, that's what should matter. Who is voting? Who is voting? And then if a, if a, if a year goes by and Oscars are so white again, but it's us voting, too, then we can say these were the best films. These were, the, but until then, it's kind of sketchy. It's kind exactly. of sketchy because so a lot of those films they don't even see. Academy members were saying that they didn't even see Twelve Years a Slave that year, but they just voted for it because of press and and um, what they read about it felt like it was you know socially significant or they felt guilty or whatever. A lot of Academy members admitted that. They didn't even see 12 Years of Slave. Wow. That's so you see how, you know, it's like yeah. maybe we're giving this award a little more credence than we should. But people aren't even watching some of the movies sometimes. And it makes sense. How are you going to watch all those movies? I don't, think, I don't think people are watching. I think a lot of people didn't see Beasts of No Nation. I bet you that's a true statement. They heard about it and they're like, oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, that is very true. Like, it's, it's a lot that needs to be fixed in the same way that, the, you know, that the country is dealing with systematic racism. It's just, it's in every facet of our world, and it's kind of crazy to watch it unfold time and time again. Mm-hmm. To hear the outrage. In, in the TV again. land, in TV land, things are moving. The progress is happening more swiftly, and um, I think that has to do with, I don't know. I, I, part of just the revolution of TV in general. TV has become a more progressive place for distribution. TV is um, more progressive as far as the, the types of, of stories. There's all different types of stories. If you're into sci-fi, there's something for you there. There's, there's a lot more going on in TV. Maybe there's more TV shows being produced than films. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're coming down to movie making and... You know, Spike Lee, uh, Jada and Overbrook, and everybody else who has a production company, we need to, you know, load up our best, our best ammunition and fire 
10 great films next year. Right. And that what needs be, to happen. What would be so hard about that? And, I mean, they're saying this year that there were films. You know, films came out. I don't, you know, this is just, it's a, it's a very frustrating conversation because it's so subjective, yet racism is real. You know, yes, so I don't, you know, I've well, got to put my focus on what we're doing at Black Insect exactly. how we're, how, you know, the platform that we're creating can, is not, um, hasn't been built overnight and it's the growth is still going to take time, but it could go a lot faster. You know, if, if people locked arms on it, it could go a lot faster. There could be more, you know, and you know, we're going to keep doing our work in the meantime. And I think that we should do something on Oscar night. I think we should do something for ourselves I don't know what, but I'm putting that out there that we should do a live, some type of live stream and let people tune into that, you know, do a live stream and introduce some new filmmakers. There's so many, I'm going to Sundance this weekend and there's so many great filmmakers that I really think that it's going to be hard to continue to try to convince us that we don't know how to make films. Right. anymore like you know that used to fly a while ago like we you know we don't really know what we're doing in this space but that doesn't fly anymore we know just yeah. as good as a lot of these other places know right that's not that's not the excuse anymore they're yeah. running out of excuses to, to why I'm telling you again it's subjective it's subjective not all of these white films are that great they're, they're just not there's every time that some, some maybe are, some maybe not. You may think yeah. one film is great, and I may think that it was horrible. Yeah, and we're two black women. You know, people have different opinions about stuff. Exactly, and that's that's how they're getting away with it. You know, because it's such a slippery thing to even discuss. Like, what art is good and what art is meaningful is no no people are ever going to agree. It's like you got to have more of us in their voting. It's like, hey, Cheryl, you got to um, open up the floodgates. I want to yes. see, I want to see an astronomical amount of people of color being invited this year above what is normal. Just change the rules. Change the rules. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what needs to be done at this point because it's just not right. Even when you look, you know, beyond that surface level a little bit and you kind of like even looking over the actresses who've won Academy Awards that have been black women, there's a handful. You can count them on, on one and a half, one and one finger, one hand and one finger. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And the, the roles that they've been given that they've won these awards for, I, I'm a conspiracy theorist. All my friends always roll their eyes at a lot of the stuff that I say about different things, but it's only because I question everything mightily and I wonder and I want to know beyond, you know, beyond what's shown to me. So like when you look through the roles and you see that Whoopi played a fake psychic and got an Oscar, that Halle Berry and Monique were both abusive mothers and they got Oscars and that, you know, Octavia and, you know, um, was a maid and Lupita was a slave. And it's just, you think back and you look back and you're like, wait, these roles aren't very 
dynamic representations of black women, how is that fair? Denzel was a crooked cop. It's like you never get a chance to see a black person living a black slice of life, doing amazing performance, and being awarded for that. It's it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's real. It's very real. And um, I think that, you know, in white culture, people are also awarded for being villains, for playing prostitutes. Um, It just doesn't have the same cultural impact because they're not stereotyped as being that's just what you are as a people, you know? So a lot of the performances um, that people, you know, complain about Denzel, I'm like, well, he gave a hell of a performance. He's given many great performances. You know, he has an illustrious career. Um, I... I don't know how far of a conspiracy I feel it is, but I do think that it is a reflection of how white people view us and what Mm -hmm. they get titillated over about us, what makes them excited and what makes them go, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. It's something that tapped into kind of those, like, lower base desires that they have to see us in a certain way. You know, and I think that when... Um, people in white culture see us in another way, but they're actually refreshed by it, and they actually are very interested in it. It's that right. those films need to come out to the forefront, and we need to make more of those films. There needs to be a flood of them coming out every year, a flood right. of them. It can't just be one film. You know, it, there's got to be a flood of films. Like, you know, on the white side, they're pushing out there's a lot of films out there that are getting made that are of this high caliber. And on yeah. our end, we're only able to get out so many. It's, like, amazing when we have a year where we're like, wow, there were five black films this year. That's amazing. That could be awesome yeah. contenders, you know, that are, like, critical thinking type of pieces, you know? So, I, you know, for me, solution is we got to make more and more and more films, which means yeah. all of these black entities that have power have got to make that happen. There's got to be more, and the distribution has to be stronger. And um, the president of the academy and whoever else are the powers that be got to open those floodgates. We need more members in there that look like me and you. And um, I don't know. We need to really overall do our own thing. Like I said, it's like <laughs> exactly. I'll just, keep re- I'll just keep repeating myself, and I'm just hope it sticks. You know, like we got to keep doing our things. We got to be dedicated to the betterment of our craft. You know, and we got to get competitive, and we got to get out there and be like, nah, <laughs> nope. <laughs> we gotta push through. We gotta push through, and that's exactly we gotta push through. We gotta push through. I can only hope, you know, and I know you hope the same that it continues to elevate for yourself and for your for your brand. Because, I mean, if Black and Sexy can't make their way into the Academy, I am gonna start a fight with somebody. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is, we have our own awards. So it's like, yes, it would be awesome. I I am very much looking forward to the day that I am at the Golden Globes and at the Oscars. I'm looking forward to those days. I'm also looking forward to the day that the Blexi Awards are also nationally and internationally televised, 
you know, and uh, our fan base is such that it's a, a very highly rated show and that, you know, uh, all of these talents are being introduced to the world and careers are being made. And you know what I mean? So it's like we are actually on the ground building mm-hmm. something from scratch, you know, and we are only motivated further by things like this. We're like, well, we're on the right track. We're going to keep doing our thing over here. And, uh, and that's, yeah. all I, that's all it takes. That's all we can do. And then we were even talking about forming our own academy, actually. Um, now, that's something the first that year of the Black Bees was voted by fans. And mm-hmm. the second year, we're thinking that we may form an academy so that there's actually people voting um, with a different type of discernment, not just a fan, not only a fan vote, uh, which can sometimes turn into like a popularity contest, but really forming an academy where people are watching screeners and very much mirroring what the academy does for the Oscars, you know? Uh, And um, I believe we're going to form that and get some people on it who are of note and get critical thinkers, get some fans also involved in that. And That's uh, See, look at she's you. building it every year. Like, we're doing our own thing. Yeah. <laughs> I sound like a broken record. You can, you can, you can uh, edit that because I know I keep repeating myself. But no, when I get passionate, I keep repeating myself. I guess I'm just trying to convince myself that this is the way, but I really do uh, believe it is. That it's it's exactly the message that you are trying to put out there, and I think that's exactly what needs to happen. My my concern all the time with whatever protesting it is, whether it's Black Lives Matter or whether it's Oscar So White, whether it's boycotting, whatever, is that there's an action item involved. Like, what is it yeah. exactly? Willing to to either further this conversation or even just open it up to where there is some change being made, and I think that that is your your solution is the best way to go to actually get something. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's I can complain until I'm blue in the face, but what am I doing? I'm creating my own, and that's mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Not that people are afraid to do anything on their own. It's complex, but I almost tweeted this yesterday too, and I didn't ask him. You know. We as black people, we are trendsetters, culturally speaking. Uh, people follow our lead. If we say the Oscars aren't cool anymore, the Oscars are not cool anymore. Yes. <laughs> they just they 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 will. It's like the air goes out of that balloon. You know, we say this thing over here is the new thing. That's what will be the new thing. So we have to decide what we're looking at. You know, what are we? What are we looking at? What are we focusing on? What some what someone is not giving us? Some old people who have old I, ideas who are just never going to let them go, and they're going to have to all die off before we see any change. We're going to sit around and wait for that, or are we going to create something new in the meantime? Exactly. You know. Exactly. Exactly. I I really, I I love it. I think that that is the best way of handling it instead of continuing to complain or whatever and just do it. Do it. Yeah. I wonder what yeah. Rock and is I, do you know, I know, I know Jada is like, I know with their production company, they're doing a lot, you know, can they do more? They should ask themselves that question. 
What can you know, more can they do? You know, what more can they do? You know, I know Spike says, well, he's the hardest working man in this industry, hands down. You know, I, I, I know that. And he is um, always working on something. Uh, so can he ask himself what more can he do? I, you know, I just... We gotta we gotta figure something else out, something else more progressive, and I think it would be very revolutionary to do some type of live stream the night of the Oscars. I don't know what it would consist of, but I think that would be a a revolutionary thing. Like, hey, we are over here. Exactly. We are. You know, we are over here, and we we're gonna acknowledge a few people right now. You know, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I wonder, do you wonder what Chris Rock is, is going to do? Do you think he's going to let any of this, all this negative attention sway him either way of, like, hosting or not hosting? Well, um, I, he's not going to give up that check and that contact. And, that I would, <laughs> and I would not advise him to do so if I were in his inner circle. I wouldn't say I'm away from hosting the Oscars. Um, but he has a mouthpiece up there. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. <laughs> he, he, he has a mouthpiece, and he's never afraid to use it. He's never afraid to say um, what the truth is. So it'll be interesting. It's interesting what's going on. Like he's hosting it, and people are saying that they're not going to watch, but yet we know he's going to be saying some things that we want to hear. We absolutely. <laughs> I was about to say You know, so it's kind of like it, I, all I know is that if he somehow did step away from it, which would be – that would be um, so huge. I don't yeah. expect it, and I don't. Um, I would never, you know, condone him for not. But if he did, that would be. It would just be incredible. <laughs> it, it would, would be, be incredible it would be everywhere. It would. It would definitely make a lot of waves and a lot of noise. And it would. Yeah. Yeah. A huge step to see for them to really be like, okay, this is beyond this little hashtag that they've created. Like people are actually like, this is real. Because I still, I still think that the academy's like, okay. <laughs> like, and you know, okay, he's, he's you know, right. Uh, Chris Rock is writing and directing, and I'm sure he wants um, his efforts to be acknowledged. I'm sure he can see it from many different points of view. You know, so. I don't know. I don't expect him to do that. I just think we got to be doing something else. Same night. Exactly. Yeah. Let this be the lowest rated. Let this be the lowest rated one. And, you know, it's unfortunate for the talented people who are up this year. There are good films that are, that are out there. And they are kind of blighted by this thing now. But, you know, some people say they don't care. They're not thinking about us. It's not really touching them in that way, you know. Right. Right. Well, I'm definitely ready to see what y'all do on Oscar night. Um, I hope that this is something that you do actually try to take on. I know it's not that much time left. Um, but it would be we gotta do something. Yeah, I, you know, maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll have a little party over here, and everyone can wear a formal gown. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll. Maybe we'll talk about all these films, and we'll do a little dinner, and we'll just, you know, we'll talk about all of the great black films that came out this year, and we'll get that our different opinions. So you know, because we don't all have to agree that every black film that came out this year was great. You know, I everyone that I've talked to that has seen all the films. 
different opinions, full spectrum of opinions. Some people say, oh, that film was amazing, they should win awards. And people are like, oh, it's okay. Or they say, that movie was really good, but it's not Oscar-worthy. So we're not just over here, just like one face, because it's black, it should win. You know, it's, right. there's very different opinions going on. That's not what we're saying. We're saying like, wow, um, Oscar's so white. <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> like duly noted. Okay, all so right. all of y'all films were so great. You're, okay, all of all of, all films, of them. There was every single one of these films was just incredible. There was not yeah. one like loose. You know, there's not one chink in the chain here. Not one. No, okay. of course not. Of course not. All right. Yes, I have a segment that I love to play when I have um, someone on who have man, and since you, Miss Numa, have a man, I would love for you to answer my ask my friend with a man question. <laughs> okay, I don't know if my advice is going to be that great, but yeah, go for it. Somebody <laughs> that can keep a man has has the ability to give forth advice. I take it all. So funny. Because <laughs> all right. Okay, so it's a segment where I ask you everyone the same question. So okay. very, very objective. So what is something that you've had to either compromise on or give up for the sake of your relationship uh, survival? Uh, well, seeing other people. Basics. <laughs> for sure. That's something that you have to give up for sure. You know, you have to, like, decide that you're going to commit and focus um with this person and, and growing, growing the relationship that you have, like that's if that's what that relationship requires, uh, that's something that that you have to do. You know, so um, I don't think that every relationship is necessarily defined that way, but uh, the one I'm in is, and I think mm-hmm. that um, that's a, a real thing. You know, that no no hall passes for you. No hall passes. Yeah. <laughs> No hall passes at all for Numa. Yeah, no hall passes have been administered. You know, it's 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 been a long relationship. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like yeah, but that's um, it since the MySpace days. Since MySpace, yeah. So um, yeah. Um, what other things? Uh, like, I, wanna, I feel like I feel like Earth is cut right now. I want to say, compromise for what? My <laughs> <laughs> clip of Earth is cut where she's like, yeah. compromise, <laughs> compromise for what? <laughs> I'm like, um, uh, compromise. Well, no, I, mean, I, I want to stick to what you were saying because I think that, like, you know, it's a very interesting time when you're first starting relationship. And you're in this, like, murky phase, and you don't want to rock the boat, but you also want to figure out, like, where you're going and all those things. So I think a lot of people get, you know, in that shaky ground, and they're afraid to kind of say, like, okay, are we doing this? Are we exclusive? So was that something that was difficult for you and yours when you guys first started? 
or is it was it like we saw eye to eye? We knew that we wanted it to be exclusive. Uh, no, we had a lot of it was very complex for us, and we had a lot going on at the time. And um, you know, when we first met, we were in other relationships, so it was you know it was not like the smoothest path to like to being together um but we did have those conversations early on and we kind of just I don't know we just decided to be together and that's what we did you know and then we just dealt with whatever bumps we have we deal with them along the way you know and there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of challenges in building a company having a family right you know being with each other all the time having to make every decision together um is 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 a really great thing and I think something that people people want or think they want and it's also a very challenging thing at the same time. You know, it's both things are happening and uh, the support system is there but it's also like the support system is there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like um, you know, you don't get to you're kind of like a package deal and you're just always trying to keep the balance of that going. So I think that there's kind of little daily compromises that can come up. Um, but overall, I think it really only works if, if you have a greater vision together or something um, something bigger that you really align with and agree on together. Helps, right. helps all those other smaller things not uh, take you down. Right. That's good. I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it in my back pocket. <laughs> it is what it is. Every relationship is just different. I'm giving relationship advice. Like, the only advice I really feel like I can give is, you know, is if someone is in the early days of dating someone, I can kind of give them, you know, that outside input about where I think it's going based on what I can see, you know, but it, but as yeah. far as people being in a relationship and how to make that go well, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because <laughs> my relationship is like so specific and I think everyone's dealing with something different and, sure. I, you know, I, you know, I don't know that you'd want to ask me, but oh, like but, you know, early, early dating things or being able to kind of help you project into where something's headed, I, I think I'm pretty good at that. Oh, well, that's, yeah, and that's pretty much where I think most people need the most help is because, well, especially these days, um, it's, it's very tough to get through the first few stages of, well, the first stage itself of dating. It's like that honeymoon phase. I think people have a hard time, like, forgiving one another through those things, and it's easy to cut it off and say, oh, I'm moving on or I'm leaving or whatever. So I think right. Curious about the idea of keeping your man because people definitely are frivolous when it's like short term relationship when it's just starting. Yeah, yeah. That's an yeah, well, experience here in New York City, the land of no love. No, I'm really, I see so many couples in New York. Every time I go to New York, I see nothing but couples. I know. Oh, New York is so cute. Like so many people are together. I have the same experience, except I'm single. It's been seeing all the time. <laughs> it's a beautiful city to experience love, for sure, but I think that these days it's very easy to be distracted in general, and mm-hmm. New York is a very hustling city anyway. So yeah, you're dealing with a lot of sure. people who don't just have, like, 9 to 5. It's like, okay, 9 to 5, but then I have to do this other thing or my other passion project. 
you know? So it's like, it's a lot going on in New York as far as like trying to, you know, date consistently. That's yeah. That's the toughest part. Because I can date all day, but consistently like seeing the same person, it's been really tough. Mm-hmm. It's been really tough. But, I, you know, it's a hustling city and I chose to live here. So. <laughs> You can meet someone today, you never know. Exactly. It always goes like that. Like, I have no shortage of meeting people. It's just, so, like I said, the sustainability of, of having someone there. But I'm not, not even in a rush because commitment is very scary to me. Um, <laughs> so I have to, like, you know, get oh, pretty good and figure <laughs> out what ways that commitment can make me feel better. Like feel more comfortable with it, so I'm I'm definitely not rushing. Yeah, I hear you. I'm taking you know cuffing season applications currently, so <laughs> that's what we're working on. Uh, I hear you. Everyone's got those applications. <laughs> Okay, so we're wrapping up soon. The last thing I want to do is play a game with you. I was just looking. I don't know why. I was Certain times I get lost in a Google rabbit hole, and I was looking up like animals and the names of their young, and some animals have some very interesting names for their young, and I thought it would be fun to play a game with those names. So we're going to have you play Guess Their Young, and I'm going to give you the name of a of a young animal, like a fawn, and you're going to tell me what animal that belongs to. Do you know what animal that belongs to? Deer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to know anymore. <laughs> some of them That's are the only one I'm going to get right. I might give you choices to make it a little bit okay. 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 Yeah. So the first one we're going to do is um, the young is called a stat, a stat, a S-P-A-T, like the past tense of spit. A stat. Yeah. A stat. A stat. Yes. Okay. So would that be a... An oyster, B, a shrimp, or C, a mussel? Uh, uh, D, a shrimp. <laughs> no, the correct answer is actually oyster. Uh, I said it with my instinct. Yeah, so the my instinct said oyster. <laughs> yes, the baby version of an oyster is a stat. Got it. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, you know, trivia for some somebody for later, you know, impress somebody. <laughs> so next oh, I'm going to use that word. I'm going to use that word. Yes, right? So yes. next, I'm going to use a pinky. A pinky? Yes, like the, like the, the last finger on your hand, the tiniest yeah. finger. Um, so that's going to be either A, a dog, B, an otter, or C, a mouse. B, an otter? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually a mouse. Pinky is a baby. A baby mouse is a pinky. Wow. And I thought about that. I was like, maybe that's where Pinky and the Brain came from. Aren't they 
They might. People. You know what? That sounds. That might. That might be real. That might see. That might be right. Why they called it pinky in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> a little okay, so, pinky. Yeah, the little pinky. I hate mice, so I think that's disgusting. But yeah, that's gross. Um. Okay. So I never want to see it, a pinky. Uh, no, thank you. No, no. Yeah, thank I'm you. Good. They're probably I'm very small, very dead. Um. So the next one we're gonna do is a nymph. As in, like, nymphomaniac. Nymph. N-Y-M-P-H. Okay. They're a baby. A, grasshopper. B, praying mantis. Or C, mosquito. Nymph is a baby. Grasshopper. Grasshopper, praying mantis, or mosquito. Uh, oh, this is hard. I don't know. Grasshopper? Yay, you got it right. I got one right. Yay. <laughs> yes, a nymph is a baby grasshopper. Go figure. How cute. How That's cute. adorable. So we're going to do two more, okay? Okay. Um, what is a whelp? That is W-H-E-L-P. Like you're saying, well. Okay. A whelp? <laughs> yes. That is either a baby A, coyote, B, roadrunner. Or C, armadillo. A walk is an armadillo. It is actually a baby coyote. Ah, <laughs> all right, I'm failing. I'm failing. And the last one, you you did get one right, so I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, the thank you. The last one we're going to do, this one might might switch it up a little bit, um, it's called a hatchling. A hatchling. A, hatch, a hatchling? Yes, a hatchling. It's a T-C. L-I-N-G, hatchling. A hatchling, okay. Yes. That is either a baby raven, a baby alligator, or a baby swan. A baby what? Swan. Swan. Oh, a hatchling. We'll go with swan because I like swans. I love swans, but it's actually an alligator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got it. Like, Does that mean alligators come out of eggs? How are they hatchling? I know. What's going yeah. on? So, yeah, there's a lot of different, that was the last one. There's a lot of different baby names for animals that are just like, what the heck? Like a baby baboon is an infant. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> Little baboon. <laughs> Little baby baboon. So I thank you for playing along with me for this. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Yes, they're young. So now you have some trivia items that you can take to your friends and make them feel like they don't know anything about anything. <laughs> yeah, especially the spat. That, the spat, which was a baby what? I forgot. Oyster. Oh, oyster. Oyster, yes. yeah. You you have to remember that one. That one was your favorite one. Baby yeah, that's my favorite one. And baby nymphs are, are grasshoppers. I'm a nymph, yeah. I know, I know that one. I'm solid on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for playing. And in general, thank you so much for being a part of Golden Brown Girls episode. 16. I'm so excited. All right. Because we had such a great conversation around black representation in the media and, of course, black and sexy TV um, and everything yeah. to impact the entertainment industry, which is very much appreciated. Can you just tell everyone where they can find you? On MySpace and everywhere. Yeah, on MySpace. Hey, everyone. You can no longer find me on MySpace. Um, well, you can, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't even know how the thing works You don't anymore. know the password. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know my password anymore. That's for sure. Um, however, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Numa. 
M-I-S-S-N-U-M-A, and Black and Sexy TV is also on Twitter and Instagram, Black and Sexy TV, all one word. Um, and I have a blog that comes out every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is called House of Numa. So it's houseofnuma.com, and it's art, style, and business. Um, it's like diary-like entries where I'm talking about anything related to uh, black and sexy, my own creativity, being a mom, um, awesome. the cast, awesome. all that stuff. Yeah, it's, so. pink. it's pink and it's beautiful. And it's pink, yes. <laughs> it's a pink I blog, love. yeah. I love it. So make sure you check that out, houseofnuma.com, where you can find everything about Numa, who is an excellent human being in the world, and I'm so grateful to be in her presence. Um, you can find me at Rapso Danny absolutely everywhere. There's R H A P S O D A N I, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at GBG underscore podcast, and you can find us on your podcast on iTunes. If you have iTunes, if you don't, I don't know. You can go to SoundCloud. <laughs> I don't know how you yes, do yes. that, but you can go to SoundCloud.com. And uh, slash Golden Brown Girls, and you can listen there as well. And please, please, please subscribe and rate us and subscribe to Black and Sexy TV on YouTube. Right, Numa? We want those subscribers. We need that. Yes, with blackandsexy.tv. Go there and you can get your two-week free trial. You can check us out. If you don't like it, you can go away. If you do like it, just stay stay with us. Yes, because there are ways for you to continue to support Black and Sexy outside of YouTube, right? So that's where they go. Yes, blackandsexy.tv. Yes, so please do that, everybody. And thank you for listening to Episode 16 featuring Numa, one of the creative minds behind Black and Sexy TV and all around Golden Brown Girl. Thank you so much for listening and stay golden. Uh, such a vibrant thing, vibrant thing, a vibrant thing. And even though we both fly, give each other space and not the evil eye. Acting like grown-ups, don't even try to hide cause the spot blown up. Girlfriend telling you she wanna see. I say I don't know, but you say gladly. We both do head, we go on and on and on and on and on and sweeter than Ben and Jerry.